episode 13 of Unbashful. Welcome back, everybody. As always, I'm your host, Nicholas Doucette. And sitting to the right of me, I got my good friend of mine from high school, Noah Webb. What's going on? Nice to be here. Thanks, Thanks, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for giving your time. And uh, we're going to talk about some cool stuff. We're going to talk a lot about Tesla and uh, climate change and you know Elon Musk and Tom Cruise shooting a movie <laughs> in space. And we're going to talk about all that stuff, all that good stuff. and uh, some other little fun things along the way. So let's get right into it. Um, first of all, so I didn't actually ask you after we saw each other at the movie theater. How how'd you feel about Eternals? Eternals was good. I think it was actually better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into it kind of, I went into it thinking it was going to be a lot because having a movie with so many, you know, characters that need to be kind of introduced and, and fleshed out with an audience, it, it almost seems overwhelming. And in the trailers, like that's how I came out of the trailers feeling is that it was going to be overwhelming to learn about all those characters. Um, but they did a better job than I kind of expected they would. And I enjoyed it. Um, it was easy to follow. It was fun. You know, Marvel movies have like a specific kind of funny, you know, they mm-hmm. make the same sort of like mm-hmm. jokes that it's not like you're falling off your seat laughing, but, uh, you know, it's like puts a smile on your face. So it's good to be back in movie theaters, seeing Marvel movies again. Uh, Shang-Chi was good. Um, I'm excited to see Spider-Man, obviously. I know mm-hmm. you and Sheswin talked about it. Um, we tried to get tickets yesterday and we couldn't. Yeah, they're on yeah. sale at, at noon yeah. today, so... Just now, two minutes ago. Oh, okay. So, oh, the, okay. Not sold okay. out by the time we're done this. <laughs> oh, fuck. Hope, hopefully not. I mean, yeah. probably. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I kind of share your feelings as well. Overall, I did really enjoy it. I feel like we're kind of like the only people that enjoy this film because most people I've talked to said it's either like, you know, mid or it's kind of just like a six out of ten. But for me personally, I loved it. I, yeah, I, I really I enjoyed it. I would say it's like my favorite Mar- Mar- Marvel movie ever. Oh, yeah, same. But, Marvel, yeah. you know... I think Shang-Chi was still better, in my opinion. I liked I liked the action in that movie. I thought it was good. But this, I didn't really know what to expect from Eternals, and I didn't know exactly where the story was going. And so, you know, the movie kind of kept me guessing all the way through. And when you don't know how a movie's going to go, it's a little more exciting, right? Mm-hmm. As going in with that movies, uncertainty. Yeah. As we're in some movies, I always feel like, okay, you kind of know how this is going to end. And in this, I really didn't. Um, so the uncertainty... And how they, you know, introduced all the characters and played it out. I thought it was good. Yeah, that's always like a daunting task. I feel like with these big, you know, grandiose films and they have like 20 or 30, you know, main cast members, not just like extras. It's it's really kind of tough to give everybody the screen time they need to develop their character. But I think they handled it pretty well. Yeah, especially in a movie, like I said, where, you know, Avengers, you're introduced to all these characters. We've grown up with these characters. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of already know the characters. They don't have to do the job of introducing them. It's like a plug and play. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what to expect from those guys. But in a movie where you haven't, unless you've read the comic books, you haven't been introduced to these characters, then, you know, it's a bigger job to do in not only, you know, making a good film, but making a good film and having the audience understand who the film's about and, you know letting the audience get a connection to those characters uh, because, you know, the more connected you are to a character, the more... The more you're going to care about the them. The more engaged you're going to be, yeah. the more you're going to care about the movie. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I really enjoyed it and I'm excited to see what they do with the sequel. Um, I forgot to ask you, are you still in school? Yeah, actually, I, I was in college um, at Algonquin in Ottawa. Yeah, I remember you mentioned yeah, that, yeah. I decided to drop out... Which immediately when you say you're going to drop out, it's like, oh, why? There's nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong with it. But 
what I did was I just didn't really like the program I was in. I was in a marketing program. That's um, exactly what I'm in right now. And, you know, when I finished high school, I actually wanted to do poli-sci. My grades weren't that good in high school. So, you know, that's why I went to college instead. But my grades in college were really good. College was pretty easy for me. So I dropped out of college. I applied to York University for poli-sci. And I got in, so I'm starting in January at York. Oh, that's awesome. Congrats, man. Yeah, for poli-sci. They gave me a year's worth of credits, so I only have to do three years instead of the full four. That's not bad, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm where I'm at for school right now. A little delayed compared to where most of our friends might be at. Some people I know are graduating um, university you know, this year, but I'm working, everything, you know, life, life, everybody has their own path. Exactly, so, man. Like, at the end of the day, the last thing I think people should do is, you know... No, I'm not saying you're you're, you're doing yeah. this, but like, you know, looking at other people's, you know, trajectory of where they're at. Because I mean, so, like you just mentioned, some people end up, you know, reaching great heights of success in their late 20s. Some yeah. people, you know, prematurely when they're like 18 and some people not even until they're yeah, like 50. So comparing yourself to other people is not always the best way to do yeah. it. I mean, it's a natural thing we do as human beings, but it's yeah, it's something as long as you're comfortable with the path you're on and like you trust that, you know, you're confident in what you're doing and. And you're okay with it? If it makes you happy, then... Fuck it, man. Who, who else... <laughs> exactly. Like, what else is somebody going to say to you that's really going to... Yeah. You know, if, if you're... Like you said, if you're confident in yourself and you you're, you know your abilities and your capabilities as a human being, then you could bet on, I'm going to give myself time. I'm going to give myself some, you know, time to focus and reevaluate. But I know that I'm You'll capable of out. accomplishing good things. Yeah. So... No matter how you get there. Yeah. Um, so... We're going to kind of transition here now to... I got some questions about Elon Musk. Okay, I'm going to ask you. Um, <laughs> so what are your thoughts on this brain chip that he's developing? I don't know if you've... Neuralink. I'm sure you've heard yeah, about that. Of course, um, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I think it opens up a lot of different interesting questions when it comes to, you know, ethics of merging AI with actual, you know, human brains. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also think Neuralink could be really helpful in helping a lot of people, um, specifically who have, you know, uh, issues with motor functions. And I think that's going to be one of their earliest, um, goals with Neuralink is to basically, you know, help people who, um, have different diseases who can't really interface with technology the same way you and I can't, right? We can use our hands, we pick up our phone. That's a very interesting approach. Yeah. On our phone. So I think what Neuralink's going to focus on right out of the gate after they're done, you know, animal testing is um, basically give people a way to control devices um, without using their hands. So literally you'll be on your phone and you'll just think like, I want to open Twitter and just thinking about it, Twitter will open. Or yeah. you know, I want to send a message or call this person. And so that will literally, you know, enable so such great things for people who have disabilities. And that I think maybe further down the road, Hopefully, there's some sort of um, application to do with, um, you know, diseases that kind of eat away at your memory. So, like Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, I know, like for me personally, my grandfather is uh, suffering from Alzheimer's dementia, and it's like terrible disease. That. Yeah, it's like, it's really terrible disease, and so many people struggle with it. So, if there was some sort of way to, you know, help those people. Um, because right now there's, there's not really like, once you get it, it's kind of like a, a spiral staircase, can't really get out of it. But so I think Neuralink is good for helping people with, um, different issues, neurological issues or other issues. And then I think, 
we're still a long ways away from seeing it used in applications for, you know, making someone super smart or doing stuff like that. Um, Elon's joked a couple times that, like, you know, you'll be able to summon your Tesla using your brain. You'll just think, hey, Tesla, come here. And you just, like, look at, you just, like, look at the driveway and it just, yeah, it just pulls up. And- <laughs> exactly. So I think they joke about stuff like that. Um, and it'll happen eventually, maybe, like, 20 years from now. Like, But I think the earliest applications are just going to be, again, interfacing with devices and making it easy for people who can't normally do that to do that. That's a very interesting approach because I, I didn't consider that at all the immediate thing that I thought of, to be honest. I thought it was kind of scary, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. But that approach that you took of people that can't interact with technology, like you mentioned, as well as we can, yeah. that'll really be beneficiary to them. And I think that's actually that's a really good take. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not only that, too. It, you have to realize that for people like, for able-bodied people and people who don't have disabilities, it's really easy for us to you know, contribute to society and like build great things and learn all this stuff. But for people who have disabilities, sometimes, you know, they are stopped from having those same opportunities. So if you give those people the same, you know, technology and the same tools that we have, then you're basically opening up um, all these people who could, you know, create, become an, become an engineer, become, you know, a scientist, help solve the issues that we need solved. So, it's pretty important to open open those doors to people who, you know, who for their currently closed kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really good. It's very convenient because it's at that point it's it's just you and your mind, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's pretty much all you would use to interact with this brain chip. Um, I actually want to read this quote here. This comes from Sissy Sissy Cow. I really uh, I really apologize if I butchered the pronunciation. Um, and that comes from Observer. This is about Elon Musk's brain chip. Elon Musk has rounded up his old friends from PayPal and OpenAI days to fund his brain-computer interface startup, Neuralinks, like you mentioned, a next phase of experiments to start implemental brain chips in humans and take the company's first product to market. So that kind of just gives a little overview of what's... Yeah, that's basically right now where they're at is they're at the stage where they're testing um, safely, obviously, on animals. Um, So, you know, they've kind of showed off a monkey playing Pong, if you know the old game. Mm. Um, so literally what they did was, um, they had a tube feeding it a banana smoothie and if it hit, if the ball, you know, the pong ball, if it, if it hit the paddle and the monkey was just using his brain to control the paddle, right? Thinking whether he, mm. he wanted it to go left or right. So if the ball hit the paddle, then banana smoothie would come out. And then if it didn't hit the paddle, the mm. banana smoothie would stop. So they train this monkey to play pong using just his brain and all of this right now is just kind of proof that you know they can actually get it to work um i think they did an experiment with pigs as well i don't don't remember exactly what it was um but yeah like i said this is like the earliest steps of um you know proof of concept showing it works and then slowly getting to a point where they can begin testing on humans once it's been you know verified as being safe and not damaging um, the mon- the monkeys or the different animals they've mm. been testing it on. It's not harmful to them. Exactly. And I think they've tried removing things as well. So they're kind of showing like, hey, look, we can we can put this in. We can remove it. There's no ill effects. And this is what it's capable of doing, right? Because if a monkey can control a, a pong paddle, then a human can control a phone, right? They can, mm. you know, make an application that lets you interface with a phone, interface with a computer. Um, and again, opens those doors for people who currently um 
maybe don't have those same opportunities that we do. Yeah. So I just want to be clear when you were explaining that story with the monkey, was that like a, was that like a, like a beta, like, yes, like product that they actually had in its brain or actually had it. Oh, okay. If you go on YouTube and just search up Neuralink monkey, I'm sure it'll come up. Um, I'm going to check that out actually. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty mind blowing to see. He's literally just sitting there on a chair, this monkey sitting there on a chair with the straw in his mouth for the banana smoothie and just, you just see the pong paddle moving along. And so he has, that's really cool. In his brain. Actually, no, what they do is they show three things. So first, they show him using a controller, mm-hmm. right? They taught him how to do it with a controller. And then what they did was they unplugged the controller and just made it so that his hand was still, he was still holding the remote, right? The monkey was still using the joystick to move it left and right. Um, but the remote was unplugged. So it was okay. just his brain thinking about, oh, yeah. I want to go left or right. And the signals from his brain were sending into mm-hmm. the Neuralink and, you know, interfacing with with the program and it's like that's really cool it's mind-blowing stuff like i said it's kind of scary but it's, i think there's also a lot of yeah really cool potential that that they could tap into with that yeah there's definitely gonna have to be like laws and you know things in place to oh absolutely yeah to kind of really set out what companies and what people can and can't do um with your brain data or with your thoughts like you know what i mean facebook and instagram or facebook is instagram but facebook and all these companies have so much data on us already just through you know tracking what we do on our phone our computer um but imagine if they could actually track what you're thinking about and and yeah everything your mind thinks about i think that sounds like the like a plot to a movie literally it opens <laughs> up some dangerous things but i think Neuralink is i think elon is responsible um and he's even said, he's like, AI is probably like the biggest threat to, he- one of the biggest threats to humanity. Um, and I think of all the people I'd want doing it, I'm not sure how I'd feel if, you know, Zuck was, what was the one help at the yeah. end of this. But Elon, I, I mean, everyone has their own opinion on Elon. He's a uh, divisive figure. But for me, I think he's responsible. And um, of course, anybody at that, you know, with that power and that, yeah, you know, influence, there's always going to be divisive you know, feelings on, on the community. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, overall, I'm pretty excited for that. And yeah, like you said, it's probably not going to happen for a long time, like 20 years. Yeah. Until like, it's fully down. like available for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Before um, you and I, before people who don't yeah. need it for medical reasons, I think probably within five years, we'll probably see it like humans interfacing with devices for people who need that help. Um, like in beta, but yeah, we're, we're a ways away from yeah. the crazier, sci-fi movie type stuff that you know might come to people's minds we're like making like cars levitate and stuff yeah no maybe not that far from that we'll see that's sooner that's sooner later um so when you got your car because mm-hmm. obviously you have a tesla yeah I have a model um yeah. first of all when when did you get that exactly so i got it about when was it july of last year so was that 16 months ago 15 16 months ago yeah yes. so like a, like a year and year and a bit a yeah. year and a half roughly a year and a quarter um yeah, I mean, it's an awesome car. I love it. Um, what, what, what was, like, the first thing? What was the immediate thing that stood out to you the most? Whether it was, like, in the, ex- the exterior or the interior, what was, like, the first thing? So, I think that a lot of people, when um, when people talk about Tesla, they think about an electric car. They think about, you know, the environment. And all of that's important. Um, and people definitely care about the environment and want to, you know, be more environmentally conscious. But for me, you know, getting a Tesla wasn't about the environment. 
as much as it was about getting a car that um, is built around a software experience that you kind of you're kind of used to in your phone, right? So a traditional car, um, you know, maybe you'll have Apple CarPlay in it, or maybe you'll have you know some sort of BMW operating system, or mm-hmm. you know some in in-house operating system that any car company's made. But Tesla's software stands out from the rest. It's one and one. Yeah, it is. It's 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 literally like using your your phone. Basically, mm-hmm. it's like it's like if Apple made a car, and which know, I think yeah, they will be. I think they're going to get there, and I think yeah, it's like if Apple made a car and they had Apple software powering the whole experience of of ownership, and that's not just like when you're driving and the infotainment, but that's like you know when you have to service the car, when you have to do something from the the Tesla app, like. Everything about the experience of owning a Tesla is is merged with their software, and their software is fantastic. So the thing that's going to obviously stand out to me most is that, um, and that's why, like, when people ask me, oh, you know, what do you think about this electric car startup, Rivian or Lucid or you know, all these different cars that are kind of coming to market? Um, some of them I think are really cool. Like, there's a lot of interesting electric vehicles coming to market, but for me. Tesla is still way ahead of all of these companies in terms of software where everyone else seems to kind of be content leaving, you know, the software experience to Apple. They're like, hey, just plug in your iPhone and, you know, let use Apple CarPlay. Tesla is not content with that. They actually want to build their own, um, their own software that is made for their cars that is better than just some, you know, plug and play solution that uh, all the other automakers are offering so electric vehicles are exciting tesla's exciting but what excites me most about tesla and why i would buy a tesla again over another ev is the software experience to sum it up in a long 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 answer (laughs) that's i mean that's pretty interesting yeah um i agree with what you were saying and i feel like tesla's sort of become like the pioneer they're sort of blazing that trail and we're seeing other car companies i feel like try and they're definitely taking influence for them. I could be wrong. I don't know too much about cars, obviously, but no, from 100%. my perspective, at least. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the new startups that are coming out, Lucid um, and Rivian, I mean, their infotainment system and their software and their car is, you know, Tesla has set the standard for software experience in a vehicle because before Tesla, there was no, there was no focus on that. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you had stuff like technically there was an infotainment system in your you know 2015 uh dodge ram or whatever you had but it's nothing compared to what tesla has and what they've been able to build um and it just makes you know owning the vehicle and driving the vehicle on a daily basis so much better right like the fact that i can set um a siri shortcut so that when i say you know good morning siri on my home pod my car warms up and are you serious yeah like that's so cool these are software experiences that tesla's built into their that they've been built into their cars that make owning it so so much better um you know things like being able to watch netflix and youtube in your car being able to play games in your car and just even having a ui that is smooth like you know, I'm sure everyone, if you've ever driven in a car that has, like, an entertainment system, you know, you press something and then it's, like, slow. Mm-hmm. You press it and it's, like, it's not the same responsiveness you'd get from, like, an iPhone. Yeah. Um, but Tesla has that. They have that responsiveness that you'd get from an iPhone. Um, and it's, 
that's one of the things that people don't realize. Like, right now, Tesla doesn't even use that to their, to its full advantage. But in the future, like, you know, my car gets software updates. So the same way that your iPhone gets an update, my car gets an update. And it makes it so that the car doesn't become obsolete. Because it's built around software and because it's getting updates, the car just keeps getting better. Just like, you know, if I have a 2018 Tesla and someone has a 2022 Tesla, they're built around the same software. And because we're both getting the same updates, it's the same car essentially, right? Like little things here and there change. Maybe they change something in the interior. They, you know, change a part, make something a little better. They do a great job at iterating and making the vehicles better all the time. But because it's built around software and everybody gets those software updates for free, you have this car that kind of keeps getting better um, over the lifetime of the vehicle. And it's like, that's one of the things that make me, you know, hesitant to buy another car. If you took, you know, you buy a BMW in 2018 and then two or three years later, you go back to the dealership and you say, hey, you know, I noticed that 2022 BMW has this feature or that feature. Could I get that? They're going to laugh at you. They're going to be like, yeah, sure. You want to trade up for the new 2022 BMW? Yeah. And you'd be like, no, 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 I just want the features. You'd be like, yeah, that's not how it works. But in my car, that is how it works. Like, they update something and I get the update. That's like, great for the consumer because I, if you, like you said, if you get a Tesla, let's say in like 2016, yeah. and let's say it's 2020, you still haven't got the new one, but you're still getting the same updates as, as the newest yeah. one, you don't feel like you're suffering and you're not feeling you know, pressure to immediately get like the next, the next vehicle that comes out. You could, you know, you could wait a couple of years. That's just my cat. Um, you could wait a couple of years, but that's that. I think that's very, that's very great for the consumer just because they're not going to be constantly like lagging behind. They're going to, they're not lagging behind and there's not this huge pressure to, you know, buy a new car In, in a traditional dealership model. You know, you have this, you know, you have the, the OEM, the actual manufacturer Ford or Chrysler or, GM and they build the cars and they sell them to dealerships and the dealership's sole job is to sell you a car and so you know the dealership is going to do things to incentivize you to buy that new car you know hey um, your warranty is running out or you know they're going to charge you all this maintenance and the car doesn't get better and you know the car is kind of built like that from the top down you know Ford doesn't want to build a car that gets better over time because then they're not going to sell that car to a dealership and that dealership's not going to have cars that, you know, that dealership's not going to be able to sell cars. Like it's kind of this, the way it's been built from the top down as where Tesla doesn't have dealerships, right? They don't have like this middleman that um, they have to kind of satisfy. So they're selling cars directly from them themselves as the manufacturer. All their Tesla dealerships, quote unquote, are actually showrooms, right? They're just, they're owned by Tesla. There's no middleman. Um, and what that kind of does is it probably saves them money. Yeah. It saves them money and it creates this like super low pressure environment, not just for, um, not just like for Tesla to force people to buy another car, but for you as, as the consumer, like if you go to test drive a Tesla and I did this the other day with, um, a friend of mine, you show up, you know, they say, Hey, do you have any questions about the car? No. All right. Here's the key be back in half an hour, enjoy. And comparing that to a traditional automotive dealership, you know, you go to Ford, you want to test drive a car, 
And they're like, all right, let's talk about it first. I'll, you know, talk to you about the car for 30, 40 minutes. And sometimes maybe you want that introduction. Tesla will give you that too, if that's what you want. Um, but then when you come back from the test drive at Tesla, the question is, do you have any questions about the car? Um, yes, no. If we can answer those questions, 100% they'll help you with that. Um, and then that's it. If you want to order the car, you can go online and order. If you don't, hey, we're happy you came out and test drove. Uh, and we're sure you're, we are sure you'll order one in the future because once you drive a Tesla, it's a pretty like mind-blowing experience mm-hmm. and most people love it. And then at Ford, you know, you test drive a car, you come back and they're like, hey, come into my office so we can negotiate pricing and I can, you know, talk to you about financing and this and that. And it's like, it's such a, you know, different experience. You're negotiating on price. You're doing all this because there's this middleman whose yeah. job is solely to try and like upsell you on on warranty, on accessories, on all It's just the, re- re- the retailer, yeah. Right? That's their only job. Tesla doesn't have that. It's just the manufacturer selling you a car at the price they set, no negotiating, no no nonsense, no extended warranty, no, you know, get this package or this package, none of that. It's just you buy the car, it shows up, it's yours, that's it. There's it's no just cutthroat, just right, right to the point. Yeah, like, it's right to yeah. the point, and there's just no pressure. Like I said, the friend I went to to test drive with, he didn't end up buying a car. He more just wanted to, you know, get the experience of seeing what it was like. And he agreed, like, there's just no comparison. Because we also went to Ford and test drove the Mach-E, which is Ford's electric Mustang. Um, Mustang, I say in air quotes, because it's an SUV, not a traditional, like, Mustang that people expect. But, you know, again, at Ford, that Ford dealership has called my friend maybe 15 times. Following yeah. up about purchasing the car and like, hey, come talk to us. Come talk to us. Tesla hasn't followed up once. Maybe they sent him an email, like mm. automated, saying, we hope you enjoyed your experience. They're not like harassing him. Right? Yeah. But there's no calls from someone being like, hey, are you still interested in getting that? Because if someone wants to buy your car, they're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. You don't need that, you know, that extreme pressure on people. And Tesla sells every car that they make. So there's no, like, need for Tesla to do this all this advertising and to, you know, harass people and... Try and convince them. If you order a Tesla today, you're not going to get it for, you know, minimum three months, maybe, depending on what model, maybe eight months to a year. Like, mm-hmm. there's a huge backlog of orders. They can't satisfy the demand. So, it just makes for a way better experience. I can just go on forever. You know what I mean? Hey, it's all around. Like, it's... We still it's got a lot more to talk about, so don't worry. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think... As a, as a customer, if you're going straight to Tesla, it probably feels a little more personal too, rather than just going to some, you know, dealership on the side of the road. Yeah, no, I mean, in some ways, yes, in some ways, no. I think that the actual advantage of having dealerships is that, you know, it's your local guy, it's Tom's Ford. And That's Tom true. is sitting there at the local dealership. Tom's been a staple in the community for, you know, 25 years. He's sponsored the little league hockey team he's that yeah know, that that is true sold yeah. your dad his car and now he's selling your son mm-hmm. the first car right there's that brand loyalty so between there's that you. sort of brand loyalty yeah. that's been built up between you and tom not just the manufacturer because with tesla there isn't there's a lot a little less of that communication even right you you place an order for the car they send you a text a week before it gets here hey this is when you can come pick it up you go to pick it up you sign a paper and it's done the whole process like from ordering to picking it up, besides the wait in between, the whole process probably takes like half an hour. Like it's so easy. It's very but convenient. You, but you kind of lose some of that personal touch in a way. It's just like our people. It just depends on the person, I guess. Like for me, I don't need to be best friends with my 
car dealer. Neither do I. Right? <laughs> um, not to say that the guys at Tesla aren't great. Like, I know a bunch of guys who work for Tesla. They're awesome. They do a great job, like, you know, helping people, making the experience good. Um, but, yeah, it's a little different than your traditional automotive dealership for the good and the bad. If you really love that personal touch, and maybe you won't get as much of that with Tesla, but the ease of purchasing the car, the, the you know, the lack of having to go back and service it mm-hmm. all the time, the lack of pressure on you to, like, spend money at this dealership or to anything like that, I think those are all benefits. Um it's just it's a whole different thing i love going on their website like obviously i don't have a tesla but i'll get yeah. bored yeah like sometimes i'll you know like in the past i'll be at work yeah. and like i'll be on my break and i got nothing else to do and i'll literally just go on it's kind of like how people will go on Foot Locker and yeah. you know make like mock shoes, shoes and yeah, get like you know their different colorways and stuff yeah. i'll do that for the tesla I'll, like i'll see what the matte black looks like yeah. or I'll see what the oh, red yeah. looks I'm like i'm guilty of it too i mean i go on their website all the time i'm like their engagement on their website is probably fucking insane. Oh, just yeah. just for that, like alone, like for just yeah, people goofing around. Yeah, people website every day and just like, you know, dream a little bit. And that was yeah. just before I got my car, right? I would yeah. go on and I'd like make car be like, oh. And it was probably so satisfying the day you're like, oh, it's it's, it's a reality. Happening. Yeah, so yeah, definitely ordering a Tesla, the whole experience is different than a regular car. It's, it's satisfying to go on the website and, you know, build it and, and do all of that stuff. Um, and it's, and it's cool how it's built through software again, like from the moment you order to uh, the moment you take delivery, right? Like you place an order, then you download the Tesla app and that car is in the app, right? That car that you order is in the app. So it shows like, hey, your car is being built. It'll arrive to you on like December 11th or just like a range December 11th to 20th or something, right? So you kind of have that app right from day one and there's some videos like it shows you, here's your car, here's what it's going to look like. And then, you know here's how to use this feature, here's how to use that feature. It kind of breaks it all down for you in the app. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's an awesome experience. In some locales, they do like home delivery. So like literally you order a car and they'll deliver it right to your house. You don't even have to go pick it up. That's pretty convenient. Um, yeah, and the service experience with Tesla too, it's like, so I'll give you an idea. I've driven 60,000 kilometers on my car um, in the 16 months I've had it. I love driving it. I drive it a ton more than I would have driven any other car. The only thing I've had to do in 60,000 kilometers is windshield washer fluid. That's it. That's it. That's incredible. A bottle of windshield washer fluid, right? So the service is like that there's very little. You don't have to do brakes really because... It's very dependable. um, Yeah, it's, it's super dependable. There's just less moving parts. You know, when you have an engine, when you have all the moving parts that are in a ICE internal combustion engine vehicle, there's just so much that could go wrong mm-hmm. and in a way like they're kind of built with that in mind again because you have this automaker that has to have this middleman make money and the middleman doesn't just make money off the sale of the car they make money off all the service mm-hmm. so when things break down well that's kind of helpful to the middleman there's that opportunity for them like hey we have right. another big idea but for tesla they actually like they stated this on the last earnings call i remember like the best service is no service. Like they do not want you to have to come for service because they don't, want to have the to, they don't want to have to, you know, build more service centers. They don't want to have to do all this stuff. So most of the stuff that gets done for service is done mobile. So the, actually the only other thing I did in my car is I changed out the air filters because, you know, you're driving a lot the like cabin air yeah. filters um, get dirty, you know, and I did that on my last oil change. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you change out the air filters every once in a while. But instead of me going to Tesla, I literally went on the app. I said I want to change my air filters out. And then two days later, they came to my driveway, 
and they did it at my house. They they rotated my tires. And oh, they came, came to you. They came to you. Oh, wow. So they can either go to your work, they can go to your house, like whatever's most convenient for you. But, you know, not having to like go and sit there and have them tell you, oh, yeah, like you're talk, to reception, talk to reception, you know, you're gonna drink a coffee this. there, wait a couple hours or whatever. It's just like a whole yeah. process, right? It's it's not, uh, yeah, it's not convenient at the old the old model. Um and again, it's it's built not to be convenient because they want you to come there. They want you to look at other cars. Yeah. They want you to do all that stuff. Tesla, they don't want you to do that. They want you to get your car and like enjoy it, and that's it, right? So it, it's it's a different ball game altogether. So you said you had your car for about sixteen months now, right? Yeah. So through that time, what what has been your favorite overall feature? If you could if you could only pick yeah, one thing. Feature. Um. Okay, so. My car has what's called full self-driving. It's an option that you can buy on the car. Full self-driving is a little bit of a confusing term, I'll be honest, because, you know, when someone says full self-driving, you would think, like, my car drives from the driveway to the place I'm going on its own. It doesn't quite do that yet. Um, As I kind of said before, it gets better all the time with updates, but full self-driving, like, what you would think of when you hear that, it's not there yet. It's coming, but it's not there yet. What I have in my car with full self-driving is something called navigate on autopilot and so what that does is it basically from highway on ramp to highway off ramp it navigates to your destination for you so you know i get on the highway i work in mississauga i live in pickering i get on the highway at white's road in pickering and i get off at mississauga road and because the car knows where i'm going i put in the address the entire way all i do is i set my speed so let's say i want to go you know 120 set my speed and the car drives. It'll go from the collectors to the express, back over to the collectors. If it needs to go onto the 407, do whatever it needs to do. It'll do all of that on the highway without input from you. All you have to do is pay attention and keep your hand on the wheel, and the car does everything. So for me, um, you know, going from, I used to drive like a 2004 Toyota, and going from a 2004 Toyota doing that drive where you're like, you know, hands on the wheel, like looking over your shoulder, yeah. being like fully attentive, like, paying full attention it's stressful to drive and so to be able to kind of not not pay attention not be on your phone but Mm. just to kind of sit back and still watch the road but to just monitor and not actively do everything is so so relaxing and it takes so much stress off you like driving an hour each way for work is a lot and so just, oh, is that, oh, that's a community. Actually, that makes sense, Mississauga. Yeah, right? It is. A, and I, I'd say it's even more, depending on the time. Like, on the way home at night, it's usually not as bad. But in the morning or in the afternoon when I'm going, because um, I work the night shift, it's like I leave at 2.30 to get there for 4. So it's almost an hour and a half, depending on the traffic. And again, just being able to sit there and let your car do most of the driving for you is like... That's very convenient. Oh, it's just the most convenient thing. And it's... Again, like you don't realize how stressful driving is until you don't have to do it yeah. anymore. And so when I, you know, when I drive someone else's car for whatever reason, and I hate driving other people's cars now because it's you would worst. not like driving my car. No, right? Like <laughs> when I drive someone else's my car, car I'm like, oh my god, I have to do so much to drive. As where when I drive my car, it's just like I'm sitting there, and the car's like it puts on the turn signal and I kind of just glance to make sure there's nothing there. Yeah. Car sees it anyway. Peek the blind spot. Right. Yeah. I just I still check because again, you're still responsible. Um, you're still in control of the vehicle. If the car does something that isn't right, you know, I take over. I put my foot on the brake, I take over. 
and you have that ability to take over at any time and it's your responsibility to take over if the car does something wrong right tesla doesn't have responsibility it's autonomous driving assistance right it's like driver assistance features not full driving um but it pretty much fully drives so you know you just have to monitor but it takes so much stress off of you but when you're on your daily commute it's just really great to not have to drive with your full attentiveness and so i'd say that's definitely the best feature it's, it's a little expensive, I'll be honest, like full self-driving, if you add that to your Tesla, it's $10,600. Damn. Which is super expensive, and honestly, in some ways, it's unnecessary. You don't need full self-driving. What people don't know is that every single Tesla comes standard with autopilot, and what autopilot does is it drives for you in your lane. So it won't change lanes for you, it won't... It won't turn know, or anything like that. It won't like turn that. left or right, it won't take highway on and off ramps. But it'll stay in your lane for you. So, you know, if you're driving in the second left lane on the highway, you're cruising along, you put it in autopilot, and the car's still driving for you in your lane, it just won't do those extra things. But for $10,000, it's a hard sell. And unless you're driving a lot and you have a very long commute and you really, really value it, it's, it's a hard... It's almost like an investment in a way where, like, if you think that Tesla is going to achieve actual full autonomy like meaning i don't have to be in my car and my car can drive from one place to another i personally think tesla's going to achieve that i do too and my car has all the hardware necessary to do it so it has all the cameras it has all the sensors all it needs is better software and those software updates keep coming so in the u.s there's something called full self-driving beta and what full self-driving beta is is it's full self-driving on city streets so literally, it's more of what you think about. From your driveway to where you're going, the car does everything. It mm -hmm. does left and right hand turns on city streets. It does everything. And I got to drive in that with a friend's car. He came from the US and it worked perfectly fine in Canada. Um, we were driving downtown in the middle of the night in a construction area. And the car did fantastic. That's a great way to test it out in an area where there's like a lot of commotion yeah, it going was, on. It was it was very it wasn't good conditions at all, right? Night it was it was dark, it was raining, like it wasn't good conditions. And the car did fantastic. So for me seeing that, I'm like, okay, are we gonna get full self driving like like I'm saying, where you're not in the car tomorrow? No. Are we gonna get full self driving in like four years? I am of the opinion that yes, it could happen. Over under fifty percent. In, within within the next five years. I would say the likelihood of it being achieved by Tesla is over 50%. The likelihood of it being approved by regulators. Oh, yeah. I forgot about because that. Because there's two things here, right? There's actually achieving it, which I maybe we're even closer than five years, right? Like I know people now who are testing full self-driving beta who they'll go on a drive where they don't have to do anything. They just sit there. The car does everything. Like, again, a major intersection, a left turn, unprotected left. Like that is, uh, for a car to do that on its own. That's very daunting. Yeah. It's so crazy to think about. And the well, fact that it couldn't do it when I got my car or when these people got their car, couldn't do it. And then they just got an update and it can. It's even crazier. But there's another level, right? The next level is Tesla actually takes responsibility and you don't have to be in the car or you don't have to be paying attention. You can like be in the back seat. So... I think we'll get to a point where the car can actually do this stuff within four years. I would say like I'm like 80, 90% sure, but I'm not sure if we'll be at a point within four years, five years that Tesla takes liability and governments allow for, you know, allow for it. That's, mm. that's the kind of, 
you know, space yeah. I think what's going to be the, like, the scariest, but also the, the cool thing for me is, like, going on on-ramps, like you mentioned. Like, you know how some of those on-ramps are very steep mm-hmm. and they're very wide? The That's going to be intimidating when, like, yeah. if I ever do get that opportunity yeah. to drive in, like, a full self-driving vehicle. Like, just, like, letting go, sitting back, and letting it just take me on the yeah, on-ramp. Yeah, go for a drive, honestly. Yeah, well, I'm a, little dis- I'm a little disappointed that you didn't come here. I was hoping I I'd know, get a little uh, well, introduction. go for a drive, but it's, like, yeah, because it can already do that, right? Like, on-ramps on the highway can do... Um, and stuff on the roads, like I said, like seeing it do left and right hand turns at a busy intersection where I would be like, you know, my neck's craning over trying to look and see is there a car coming. <laughs> the fact that the car can do that mm-hmm. is just like, yeah. mind blowing, right? And um, have yeah. there been any like accidents, accidents like that? Yeah. Or? So there's been an a- there's been a few accidents. Um, not on the new software. So this full self-driving beta is basically a complete rewriting of the software. In the old software, the software that I have in my car and most everyone in Canada has, um, they use a combination of radar um, and cameras and sensors, like ultrasonic distance sensors, which are on lots of cars. Um, the new software is purely vision-based. So they even if cars have radar in them, they're no longer using the radar. They're only using vision. And so basically the thought is, is that you and me have eyes and all the people who drive have eyes and we don't have any special sensors to, you know, discern I am 50 meters from that car. We just use our eyes. So Tesla thinks to themselves, well, okay, if humans can use their eyes, then we can train a neural network to, you know, use their own eyes, which are these cameras. And they don't only have two cameras. They have, I think four in the front, two on two on each side, and one in the back. So you're talking about like, what is that? Ten cameras, eleven cameras, something like that. Um, so it basically, covers all angles of the, all, all angles of the, of the car. So the car yeah. is feeding all that into like this neural network, and you know that's how it's driving. But the good thing about this neural network is that the system is going to keep on getting better. And this is one of the big advantages that Tesla has is that they have, you know, millions of cars now on the road. I think this year they're going to deliver almost a million cars, all of which have these features. Even if you don't buy full self-driving, every single car has those cameras. So Tesla's collecting data from all these places all around the world and feeding it into this brain that can essentially teach the car how to, you know, drive better and better and better. And when you have so much data, it's only a matter of learning how to process it effectively and quickly because once they do it's like a superhuman basically mm-hmm. right you're gonna have this superhuman driver where they have billions of miles not millions billions of miles of data yeah. kilometers or, or miles driven and that's gonna be what's building this brain and so the computer the computer's gonna be able to do things that are superhuman it's gonna be safer it already is but it's gonna be even better it's gonna be safer than any human driver the likelihood of an accident is going to be less than, you know, with any human driver. Um, so, yeah, I think I think full self-driving is is really cool. It's still a ways out, um, but it's going to be, it's, it just keeps on getting better. And I mean, it's going to change the world, seriously, mm-hmm. because if we get to a point where everybody has, a, where, where all these cars are full self-driving, mm-hmm. you're not only talking about, you know, me being able to have my car drive me to work. You're talking about my girlfriend goes to work in the morning and instead of me driving her to work, 
the car will drive her to work. And okay, I need to hop in the car. And, and then <laughs> the car will come back to me, right? So whereas most people in North America, I think, have like, it's like 1.6 or... I think it's like the average household has 1.6 cars. So I guess most households have two cars, close to two cars. There's no one. Basically car. on average, yeah. Right, I on like, average, like one two cars. Yeah. So if you all of a sudden have one car that can drive itself, then you don't need two cars. You can just have mm-hmm. one car drop that person off and the other car pick up the other person. Not in all cases, but in some cases. Yeah. And then also, like, so I have full self-driving in my car. If four years from now, you know, the government says, okay, this is the best system ever. It's safer. It kills less drivers. It does all that stuff. Then my car can all of a sudden drive itself without me in it. It has all the hardware. All it needs is a software yeah. update. So my car will get that update. It'll drive itself without me in it. I'm at work for eight hours. My car can be driving around under the Tesla rideshare network. Yeah. They won't use Uber. They'll make their own. Um, and so my car will be driving around for eight hours while I'm at work, making me money. What'd Passive income. That would actually be so convenient. Like you finish, yeah. like you said, like an eight-hour shift, and then you know that your car is just going to be waiting out front for you. Yeah, it comes it's like getting an Uber. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll be like getting an Uber, but your car's made you money that whole time. Yeah. It's just, there's so much stuff that, you know, people don't even think about that full self-driving is going to enable. Um, and I think, like, Uber will kind of be a dead business model in a way because if Tesla doesn't have to pay an actual driver to drive the car, right? Uber has to charge, they charge you for the drive, but they're paying, you know, their own company, they're paying themselves. They're paying for the gas mileage and they're paying for a driver. It's time. Don't you think eventually, sorry not to interrupt yeah. you, but don't you think eventually Uber could utilize that that Tesla feature Well, so for their own service? Yeah, or is that like... Thing. Well, Uber would have to make their own, right? Because what Tesla's going to do is they're going to make it so that Tesla, they're going to build their own thing. So instead of downloading Uber, you're going to download the Tesla oh, okay. rideshare network, right? So then... Oh, like, yeah, you like you to, mentioned. If you want to get a drive, instead of going on Uber, you'll go on Tesla's app. You'll say, I need a ride from here to here, and a Tesla will come to you. Oh, okay. Right? So Uber would have to build their own autonomous vehicle. Yeah. Because Tesla's not going to let Uber just use their... Yeah, yeah. Because right? like that, that would lose them a lot of money. Yeah, right? Yeah. It wouldn't lose them a lot of money. It just wouldn't... They'll just make so much money off of... Mm-hmm doing this right and i mean every car on the road every single tesla has the capability so even if you didn't buy full self-driving you can buy it later or you can Mm -hmm. subscribe to it so like i paid for for full self-driving up front but if you didn't pay for it up front you can pay monthly so let's say you're going on a long road trip one month and you're like you know i want i want to try full self-driving this month you're gonna just pay for that month's order you can literally buy it for a month for 300 bucks which is a lot i know yeah but you know you can buy it for 300 bucks for the month but long term, let's say you're going on a long drive and Tesla, you know, because you have the hardware in your car, Tesla could say, you're going on a 100 kilometer drive, buy, buy full self-driving, enable full self-driving for this drive for 10 bucks. Damn. Right? And that is a, a source of income that no other car company is going to be able to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. As where Tesla has that option now, and it's not just full self-driving, it's other things, right? Like, let's say... The computer in the new model S and X and the new and the the three and Y are going to get it as well is uh, an AMD chip and graphics card on par with what's in a PS5. Damn. <laughs> so you know Tesla's going to be able to sell, for example, a gaming subscription. So you can pay fifty bucks a month and have access to different gaming titles in your car. And again, I heard about things, that. These yeah. aren't things that are turned on right now, but these are things that can be 
enabled in the future. Absolutely. I've seen like some of the Teslas have, I think I saw yours uh, has this as well. I think I saw it on Matt's story. They have like these long vertical like tablets almost that yeah, you just yeah. interact with. Yeah, no, the, the entire car is built around software, right? So yeah. there's no like, it's just one screen and yeah. everything is done through that screen. So There's no like little area, kind of like my car where you just like change the temperature yeah. of the, yeah. you know, AC everything or whatever. Everything is software, right? So, and it's the same thing in the Model S and X. So again, it's like, because you built your car around software, the possibilities are endless are endless mm-hmm. and the revenue streams are endless because you put the hardware and the software in every car to, to take advantage of that. So Tesla sells a car today for, you know, 60,000, but the actual lifetime, um, revenue that they might pull in from that customer can be so much greater, not because they're going to send you to the service shop to do an oil change every 20,000 yeah. kilometers and brakes and this and that and all this you know, crap that breaks because they're going to actually offer you things that you want. They're going to offer you, you know, full self-driving for your drive. They're going to offer you, um, gaming packages in your car. They're going to offer all these experiences that no other car company can offer. Maybe they will be able to offer those experiences in the future, but the difference is, is that Tesla is doing it now. Mm-hmm. They're getting, they're setting themselves up now so that when they're ready to roll out all that stuff, it won't just be rolling out to the 2025 model. It'll be rolling out to the 2016 through 2025 model. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to have so much you know, potential to bring in revenue and... Uh, Bring in revenue for people like if the, if that's your mindset is like you're a shareholder you want them to bring in revenue but if you're an owner a customer your car's just going to keep getting better. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, so obviously I know you're very interested in Elon Musk and Tesla. Yeah. When when did you when did you think you started to become like like when did you really get invested in, in Elon Musk yeah. and, and Tesla? I'm trying to think. I mean. I would say sometime, maybe 2014, 2015, the idea of, you know, an electric car that's quick, that is, you know, like high tech, it kind of, that was like a crazy idea. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, the the Model S and X came out and I I remember kind of like you were saying, I was always on the Tesla website, like building those cars. Mm -hmm. I wasn't on like the Ferrari website or BMW because like I... Everybody had a Ferrari or BMW, but at the time, Tesla, not everybody had a Ferrari, sorry. Hmm. But, you know, a lot I know of what the, you mean, yeah. Everybody knows those cars, but Tesla was something different, something unique. And so I was always kind of like attracted to that. Um, there was almost like a scarcity to them at that point. Like yeah, you weren't like, seeing them very you often. You didn't see them on the road. It was just so, so rare, so different. And mm-hmm. so I love that idea. And then uh, in grade 12 for prom, everybody else really was I remember like that. renting I remember limos, that. right? So everybody at prom, you know, they- You look like a badass, man. I saw you pull up with the <laughs> with, with the, the side limos. doors and all that. Yeah. So it's like everybody at prom, you know, they're pulling up in limos. Everyone's renting a limo. And I was like, I do not want to rent a limo. Like everybody's doing that. Yeah. I was like, let's rent a Tesla Model X. Um, and for those of you that don't know, that's the SUV with the Falcon wing doors. So that's what it's called. Your doors yeah. open like- you know, like Falcon wings. Um, so we, me and my girlfriend, we went to prom in the, in the model X. And that was like the first time I had ever gotten to drive one. Um, and yeah, so that was like the first time when I, when I knew for sure, I'm like, okay, this is the coolest thing. I'm renting this now, but at some point this is going to be mine. This is going to be my, like not the model X. The model X is super expensive, right? I think it starts at like 130 grand. Isn't like the ceiling, like, I don't know how to describe it. I've seen pictures. This isn't yeah. like the ceiling, not like glass. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but the like, Model X has this 
it has this massive glass. Roof. Oh, it is glass. So the entire okay. windshield, from the windshield itself all the way through the roof, it's just one yeah. piece of glass, yeah. one massive piece of glass. So that's really that's cool so on cool. the Model X. Yeah. And then the Model 3 and Y um, and the S, they all have something very similar. The Model S3 and Y all have, they have a windshield and then they have another piece of glass. There's like a separator in between. It's not just one massive piece, but there's a piece of glass here. And then there's a massive um, panoramic glass roof, they call it. So almost all of those, all the cars have that panoramic glass roof. And yeah, that's a, that's a really cool feature of the car, but I'd say, yeah, probably like 2015. When did we graduate? No, wait, later. 2018. So 20, probably like 2018 is when I was like, okay, this is the car. I'm going to get a Tesla. Like I told myself, I'm like, my first car is going to be a Tesla. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out and figure it out. So it's good. Yeah. But I mean, I was, I was surprised when I, when I saw you get it just because like, like you mentioned, nobody really, nobody our age really has one. I don't think I know anybody that does besides you. I think, okay. So people think Teslas are super expensive. They're not cheap. I'm not saying like, oh my God, it's just a cheap used Honda Civic. You can get one for like 30, 30, 40 grand, can't you? So not quite like, okay. So when I bought my car, the price that my car started at was 47,000 and 47,000 is a lot of money. Again, I'm not saying it's cheap, but brand new 47,000 was the price. And then for me, the thing was, again, I work in Mississauga and I drive from Pickering. So driving the 2004 Toyota Highlander from big, you know, non-efficient SUV gas guzzler driving that to and from Mississauga. I was spending, you know, four or 500 bucks a month on gas. So I kept asking myself, like I'd go on the Tesla website, I'd build the car and I'd be like, okay, the monthly payment for a Tesla model three is, you know, if I put down a few thousand bucks, the monthly payment would be like 600. And I'm like, why am I paying $500 a month for gas? That's not that bad. No, it's not that bad. And then, like you said, you're only paying you're you're paying five hundred dollars for gas, yes. as well as financing. Or I don't well, know, did I, you? I, that car. Was oh, like oh, you see, oh, okay. Car, right? But still, I mean, five hundred dollars for commuting. Five hundred dollars just for gas to drive an old, crappy car. And then you could just charge it for for the Tesla. Yeah, right. So then the difference is, so you know, at the time, and this wasn't when gas was as expensive. Maybe mm. then it was like ninety cents, eighty-seven cents. Right? It wasn't as bad. Now gas is even more expensive. So. That's yeah, crazy. Compare gas. Like I was spending, I think, eighty dollars a tank on that in the Toyota. Now to charge my Tesla at home, it cost me four dollars. Yeah. In electricity, right? Four dollars. So I'm basically saving. Actually, I have an app on my phone that kind of tells me um, how much I'm saving roughly per, um, not per charge, but uh, like each month compared to if I drove. Uh, actually, I have it set to compared to like a Mazda. A Mazda. Because I'm like, okay, a Mazda is not is a pretty efficient car. It's like eight right. eight miles per or eight eight kilometers. Oh my god, what am I saying? Eight liters per kilometer, something mm-hmm. like that, per hundred kilometers. Oh my god, I can't. It's it's that. okay. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, but so compared to that, like a Mazda three, I'm saving roughly, you know, four hundred bucks a month. That's crazy. And the app driving. kind of breaks down the data for you. Yeah, right. It kind of breaks down that data for you. You just put in what you were spending on gas before, right? So some months, like if I'm driving a lot, $550 here, 365 321 And that's compared to a Mazda 3. That's mm-hmm. not compared to the car I was actually driving, which used way more gas. Mm-hmm. So... Again, so if it's if it's that much of a difference for a car that you don't have yeah. compared to the car that you actually do have, yeah, it just so like really said, puts in perspective it's how like much five, money. Five six hundred bucks a month I was spending on gas, and now I'm spending my average cost to charge every month because it shows you that too. Yeah, is roughly 
50 bucks. So do you have the charger at home? Yes, or Tesla okay. gives you a charger with the car, right? So I thought you have to pay for that separately. Well, there's a couple things. So basically, they give you with the car, uh, comes with what's called a mobile connector. Mm-hmm. So the mobile connector is literally like a plug that you can plug into a regular outlet, like a 110 volt outlet that you have in your house, and it'll take like four days to charge the car. Which isn't ideal. Yeah. Um, but my apologies, you were saying. Yeah, but um, what was I saying? I don't remember. Uh, we were talking about the charger. All right. So yeah. So the the mobile connector that they give you with the car, it comes with a. Um, you you can basically take out the actual plug part and switch it out to a higher, um, a different kind of plug. So instead of the regular one hundred and ten volt outlet that you use at your house, your dryer, like your actual washing machine or dryer at your house, uses a bigger plug called a. NEMA 1450 and that's 240 volts and so that charger it only costs $45 to get that little adapter mm-hmm. so for $45 then you can charge your car in like six to eight hours which is fine, which is fine right because again you're plugging in every night and so basically you just have to get one of those little outlets installed in your garage for for us at our house it costs about a thousand bucks that's it that's it yeah wow. right I would have thought I would have thought would have been more like yeah, five no, grand just or something. Had to run run that electrical from the panel to the garage, um, and then there's also something called a wall connector, which is like an actual thing you buy at seven hundred dollars, and that is to charge your car even faster. So my car with the mobile connector charges at eight kilowatts, which again takes roughly six to eight hours. The um, the wall connector charges even faster, so you know it would be a little shorter charging time, but you don't really need to get it. It's kind of like an optional thing. It looks nice. It's like this nice glass, like, mm-hmm. right? So it's like kind of optional. But um, yeah, charging is is super simple. You know, I spend less time charging than I would, um, you know, than I would putting gas in my car. You know, if, if you think- Yeah, like, absolutely. If you're yeah. going to put gas in your car once a week or twice a week, you're sitting outside for five minutes, you're going to pay, maybe you don't go to pay, but it takes roughly, let's say, five minutes. You know, me getting out of my car, I get out of my car, I plug in the car, I go inside, it takes like 10 seconds. You go about your day. Go about your day, you leave in the morning, and you have a full charge. Because people think, oh my god. And you could charge it overnight like you do with your phone. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's super simple. But people think, they're like, oh, I, you have to charge, you have to go and charge, it's going to take forever. And it's like, no, 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 no. On yeah. a daily basis, you leave home with a full charge because you plug in every night. When you do have to go on a road trip and charge... Yes, you. it takes a little more time than you would filling up gas, but it's not as bad as you think, right? Think about it like this. A long-range Model 3 goes about 550 kilometers on a charge. If you're driving 550 kilometers, yeah, you're going to stop. You're going to stop to use the bathroom. You're mm-hmm. going to stop to get something to eat. At a supercharger, you can charge about 0 to 80% of that 550 kilometers in 30 minutes. Fuck. Right? So if you're using the bathroom, going to get something to eat after driving 500 kilometers, you stop for 30 minutes. What's 80% of 550? My math's terrible. Uh, That's okay, man. I can't do that off the top of my head either. 440 kilometers, right? So in 30 minutes, you charge 440 kilometers back into the battery and you're off again. 440 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Like, roughly, I'd say if I was on a road Just trip, while you were going to take a piss. Yeah. yeah. After, after 440 kilometers, I'd probably need to use the bathroom or get something to eat. Like yeah. It's a natural time to stop almost. And the chargers are everywhere. There's nowhere you can't go because of charging right it's not that was like, actually going to be my next question but yeah, you answered that there's, there's not really anywhere you can't go without charging when i go into my car right now if i say you know navigate to florida it'll literally map out the entire drive it'll say stop in niagara falls for 10 minutes stop here for really? 15 minutes like it maps out the entire trip like it'll show the on routes yeah, all on the way literally wow. the entire thing right so 
there's no guesswork and it doesn't add as much time to your trip as you would think right so like here i'll tell you i'll do the math i think roughly like if you're doing a trip from you know let's say toronto to florida or pickering to florida um if you're going pickering to florida that's like a two-day drive i've done that before yeah i mean it's it's like roughly a couple days um florida mall let's say you're leaving from home you've got a nice charge you know it'll probably take you if you were doing that drive normally it would probably take you 23 hours like a straight Mm -hmm. shot charging it would probably take you like an extra two hours because again you're not stopping for like long times you're literally just stopping for like 10 minutes here 10 minutes there food bathroom yeah yeah so this trip from from toronto to florida i just did put it all in the app um there'd be 22 hours of driving and three hours of charging so for 22 hours of driving like yeah stopping for three hours along that way for a bite to eat like it's nothing yeah no it's nothing right it almost happens every cheaper even at a supercharger right so at home it's really cheap like it's just the cost of electricity which again to charge a long range model three would probably cost you eight bucks um at a supercharger if you're on a road trip it probably cost you like 15 20 bucks somewhere between there but still 15 to 20 bucks versus what for bmw like let's compare to bmw because a bmw is more on the same class as tesla a bmw would use premium fuel too so you're talking about hundred dollars that's, that's not that's not cheap at all no it's not cheap at all like i know people who drive a mustang drive a bmw their so tank is a hundred dollars it's a hundred dollars a tank so even comparing to charging at home you're saving like ninety dollars per, mm-hmm. per tank comparing to charging at a charger you're saving like eighty dollars per tank the convenience and like you said from the financial perspective it's there's really it's it's, it's a win-win yeah, if you have it's that. almost a no-brainer it almost sounds too good to be true <laughs> yeah it, it, it seems pretty crazy like Tesla's done a really good job building up their network. They've built batteries that can charge quickly, uh, that have long enough range. You know, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, people don't realize. I think that's the biggest thing, right, is that people just don't realize that it's there. And people don't realize the cost effectiveness of it. They're like, oh, my God, I can never afford a Tesla. But if you are driving a lot and you're buying a new car, you have to look at it because, and you have to do the math because, again, if you're spending 200 bucks a month on gas or 300 bucks a month on gas and you're going to buy a have a car payment, like would it work out to be the same? With it probably would. It would probably work out to be really close to the same. And then again, factor in no oil changes, a lot less brake work because in a Tesla, the motors, not the ba- not the brakes, but the motors regeneratively brake when you're driving. Yeah. So when you take your foot off the pedal, the car automatically slows down as though it's braking. Mm-hmm. That's not like an autonomous driving thing. That's just like, that's how the motors work. So as soon as you take your foot off the pedal, the motors charge the battery regeneratively and slow down the vehicle. So you're not. That's using incredibly it. intuitive for the vehicle to just understand. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it's. It almost makes sense. Like why should you have to press the brake if you don't want? Yeah. If you don't want to be going, then why? Like yeah. To have two pedals, it almost doesn't make sense. So you still have a brake pedal in the Tesla, obviously. But the only time you use the brakes is if you have to slam on the brakes for something. Otherwise, you kind of just gradually take your foot off the pedal mm-hmm. and the car slows right to a stop. And so you're not using your brakes. You're not doing oil changes. You don't have to pay for gas. There's way less things that break down in an electric car because really all the parts are, it's just, is it's a battery and, and a motor or two motors. And in a, in a gas car, you have this engine that has all these different parts that can break. You have all these different fuel lines. You have... There's just so much stuff that can go wrong as we're in a Tesla. I'll tell you, man, my brake pads were, weren't cheap. I think I had to get them changed like f- 
three months ago, they were like a thousand dollars, man. They were so much money. So when I think about that and yeah. saving on those payments, like sometimes people have to make those kind of adjustments so many times during the year. You're right. You could save a lot of money. You might as well just put that all yeah, it's like, into again, a car like not that. Not everyone likes a Tesla, like right? Like maybe some people just don't like the look and don't like this part of it. I personally really like them. I think they got a nice sleek. Yeah, I, don't, sort of, I like it too. Trust me, yeah. I like it too. But I just mean like from the perspective of, you know, you hate Elon, you hate Tesla, that's yeah. fine. If you hate Tesla, that's fine. But there's other EVs out there now. Maybe they're not as uh, inexpensive or maybe they... Just get a little bit closer range. to the mic, that's right. Yeah. Maybe they're, you know, not as inexpensive. They don't have enough range. But they there's other EVs that exist. So when you're looking at a new car, I would always just say, you know, at least do some investigative work, you know, like really crunch the numbers of how much are you spending on your gas and your maintenance and then do that math and see like how much does that up to every month is it adding up to 100 bucks is it adding up to 400 bucks because if it's adding up to 400 bucks then there's a good chance that you know buying a tesla would be on par or or buying an ev not just a tesla but buying an ev would be you know on par or less expensive than a gas vehicle and also when you don't have to pay for those expenses it almost encourages you to drive more. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. sometimes you might think, oh, you know, I was going to go, I would go to this person's place. I would go see my friend out in, yeah. out in, you know, the other side of town. But I'll have to pay this much. And but then I'm going to have to fill up a full tank of gas, mm-hmm. this, that, this, that. With a Tesla, it's like, okay, it's not going to cost me anything in gas. The car's going to drive itself on the highway the whole There's way There's no crutch. Yeah. There's just no, like driving is just way more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So as where with my car now, I've driven 60,000 kilometers in 16 months. If I had a regular car, I probably wouldn't have driven half of that mm-hmm. because it's not fun to so drive. So many problems could arise. So many yeah. problems could arise. It's more expensive. So it's like, it gives you more freedom to want to drive more. It's fun to drive. It's quick. It drives itself. There's just so many. I saw that video of Matt and I assume he was okay. with you. He yeah. wasn't like, I don't think he showed you in the camera but he was like yo i'm gonna test out the the whatever model three performance yeah yeah that was insane performance and it was so fast i got to drive a model s plaid the other day which is the fastest production car in the world um it goes zero to 101.9 seconds damn and it is just mind-bending like you it's hard to explain how uh how quick of a car it is um but yeah, like there's really just no downside. Electric cars are the fastest cars. They're the cheapest cars to maintain. Um, and they're super technologically advanced when it comes to Tesla specifically. They're just awesome. <laughs> I can't say so, so we're going to, I'm going to ask you one more question yeah. about Elon Musk. Not really about Tesla, but more about him. So what are your thoughts? I kind of brought this up at the beginning of the episode. So what are your thoughts on the news that him and Tom Cruise and the SpaceX program, they're going to yeah. be shooting a movie in space? with NASA I think that's really awesome I think it's important for people to be excited about space I mean I feel like in the you know 20-30 years ago when there was all this stuff happening with the space program and you know actually it's even more than that like I think when was the moon landing like 50 years ago I think it was yeah I think it was like a little over 50 years ago I think it was the 50th anniversary last year or the year before so like we're talking about 50 years since you know humans went to the moon that is crazy look how far we've come we have the power of that original nasa ship we have that in our phones now but we've never gone back to the moon and the reason is is because the public opinion kind of right this is a lot of government money the public opinion just kind of hasn't favored it oh well people don't really want their tax money being spent on that 
Mm-hmm. Well, this is where SpaceX comes in, and the way they're gonna, you know, make all of this achievable is by lowering the cost of, um, you know, doing these launches and going to orbit. Because when NASA is just doing this one-off project, um, things are really expensive, right? You're not doing it often. You're doing it once, one time, not reusable. It's just too expensive. And so it almost makes sense that taxpayers wouldn't want their money being spent on programs like this. And I'm almost in the same boat. I'm like, okay, I don't want, I don't care. Like, I don't want all my money being spent on the moon. But what SpaceX is doing is a little different. They're kind of giving private companies the option to get their payload to orbit. So they have this thing called the Falcon 9 rocket. Um, it has launched, I want to say, like they reuse them. So mm-hmm. right, SpaceX built reusable rockets. So as before, you'd launch a rocket once and that would be it. You've spent you know millions and millions of dollars building a rocket and it's done. SpaceX rockets are reusable so they can go to orbit multiple times and that brings the cost of getting payload to orbit way down. So it kind of, you know, in, almost encourages other companies to be like, oh, we can do things. Space is now an area where we can operate mm-hmm. because getting there is cheaper. And so NASA, in the same way, is kind of seeing like, okay, wait a second. We have these private companies that are kind of working to advance, you know, space and space transportation and, you know, space technology. And so what SpaceX is doing um, with projects like this, like this thing you're talking about with Tom Cruise, is like, they're going to make kids and people kind of care about space again. They're going to see this awesome movie that was filmed in space mm-hmm. and people are going to be like, I want to do that. Or I want to live in a world where like we have people on the moon or where, you know, civilization is expanding. Mm-hmm. And, Colonization and all that. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think that that's like an important step is to, you know, bring about public engagement and public um, support for projects like these. So having them film a movie with a popular actor in space is exactly the kind of who better than tom cruise yeah of course right you've got this guy mission Impossible. yeah that's the first thing that comes to my mind like you definitely there obviously could have been some other candidates but i think with him you know he's kind of like a wacky dude in terms of like you know he does his own stunts i think it's really going to be interesting to see him like float around with zero g and no it'll be i think that'll be awesome and again it'll just encourage people like even they did a launch a few, I want to say a couple months ago, called Inspiration 4, and they raised money for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. They launched four kind of like, you know, average, everyday people into space. Um, one of them was a cancer survivor who went to St. Jude. And they launched four of these people That's incredible. Space. They orbited Earth for three days. Um, actually, what's cool about this is they went further than the space station. So this is the furthest ast- humans have been from Earth in a long, long time because they... They yeah. went further than the orbit of the space station. So, you know, having them do that and they were like FaceTiming the kids at St. Jude's Children's Hospital while they were in space and just showing people that, you know, that is possible. And it's just going to bring a whole new generation of kids who not only are inspired about space, but also who are, you know, encouraged to make change there and who are going to want to be the next engineer mm-hmm. who works at SpaceX or works at Blue Origin or any of these companies um, that are working to you know go to orbit so I think it's really important and I think that the movie uh, it'll be a good step in helping that goal yeah I agree I, I, de- I definitely think not only from the entertainment perspective but I think seeing that growth of just how far we've come in space I agree I think it's going to inspire yeah. a lot of a lot of the youth so I think that's going to be it for the Tesla questions. Now we're going to transition to climate change. Now I just want to just want to preface this. I'm speaking as somebody who really doesn't know much about climate change, so I'm going to let 
Noah. <laughs> See, I'm educate like, me a little bit today. I'll say to you, like, I'm not like a climate change expert. I don't. I'm not claiming to be like. I'm not in school for that. Like, or I'm not taking any pro- programs or classes on it yet. Um, but you know, I've done a lot of research and. I'm interested in it, obviously, someone being a huge fan of Tesla and sustainable transportation, I'm definitely interested in it, but I'm not, like, an expert either, so if I say something wrong, like, don't take me for, for at my word on everything, like, you know, do some of your own research, too, a lot of this is going to be my opinion with the facts that I have, so, you know, mm-hmm. preface what I say with that. Yeah, so I didn't mean to, like, no, 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 make no. you sound like, the expert, the you know, the expert, but you certainly expert. do know, you know, a fair, fair amount. All right, so before we get into climate change, let's uh, address the elephant in the room that a lot of people probably <laughs> notice. We're going to try these out. These are the new the new Tim, Tim Beebs here in Canada. Yeah, what are the flavors called again? It doesn't sound like that. We've got to break it down. Didn't they just drop today? Yeah, they just came out today. There was like Damn. a whole merch collection. Like Yeah, they had like the little fanny pack, I yeah, saw. Yeah, they really, they really went all in with these. <laughs> all right, so the different flavors that they've got are... They've got chocolate white fudge, sour cream chocolate chip, and birthday cake gross, waffle. The first one sounded really, really good. Birthday and the last cake one. waffle and chocolate white fudge sound freaking good. Birthday so, cake waffle. Let's see. I hope that I hope I get that one first. Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming that's the sour cream one. Sour cream might be good. Actually. Yeah. Okay. So let me go over the sour cream one first. Ooh. I, I think I, I see the birthday cake. I think it's right at the bottom. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so sour cream fudge. I'm. I mean, what's called sour cream chocolate? I'm trying. All right. That's really good. Yeah, that was for sure birthday cake. I don't know. The sour cream chocolate one is not. not underwhelming. It's a little underwhelming. I was expecting more. My the- disappointment is immeasurable, and my day is ruined. This one's the birthday cake one. Yeah. Okay, let's try the birthday cake. Birthday cake chocolate. waffle. Let's try chocolate. That one's the... Or chocolate. Chocolate white fudge. Chocolate white fudge. ASMR. Hmm? <laughs> Some ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, the birthday cake waffle's pretty good. Honestly, the chocolate one just tastes like a normal chocolate tidbit. Overall, though, the um, the birthday the birthday cake is solid. That's probably my favorite. Actually, here, let me try this one. I haven't tried this one yet. That ain't it. That ain't it. No, the sour cream one's not good. Mm mm. Mm mm. I agree. Yeah. Um. Actually, it's not that bad. I actually think I prefer it over the chocolate. They're all just Timbits. Yeah, yeah, they're all just Timbits with some little flakes. Yeah, that's literally what it is. It's all just Timbits with some little flakes on them. So We all got conned into the... We got scammed. I'm just kidding. We all just wanted the bead balls. (laughs) That's a (laughs) soundbite. Okay, so... Let's get into some climate change, shall we? Beeb balls aside. Yes, Beeb's balls aside. Those are are decent timbits overall. Yeah. Kind of underwhelming. Let's kick it off here. So, do you believe we will see 
a substantial improvement in our climate within the next 20 years. Like a substantial, something to be proud of. So, I do. I don't know. See, the thing is with climate change is it's a really global thing, right? It's not like, you know, if Canada fully went renewable today, like we did not, we like went zero emissions today. We were net, um, you know, net zero carbon emissions. If the rest of the world doesn't do their part, then, you know, climate change as a whole is still, the earth will still be on, on the track for like warming of, um, the warming would pretty much be the same essentially. Right. So I think that we will see an improvement in certain countries efforts towards, you know, net zero emissions. I think that, you know, technology is going to keep getting better and give people options to, you know, choose between a green product and a less green product. And as soon as those two options become, you know, price, you know, they have a parity in price or they get to the same level of effectiveness, then people aren't going to do, people aren't going to use the less environmentally friendly product or service just to spite the world. You know, if you can, if you can make a green product or green service that is as good as the less green product, people will use it or mm-hmm. good, as good or better. So I think that the key is, is that oh, we best. just need, it's all good. we just need, you know, to continue to innovate and drive people towards, you know, greener products, greener services, and in a way not give people the option. Because again, if we get to the point where the product or service is better, then people won't choose the less environmentally friendly option. For me, that's where we're at with Tesla. We're still a little bit off on the cost perspective of it. Yeah. But from the perspective of like drivability, performance, performance and range, it's at the point where EVs are mainstream now, right? We just need to get the price down a little bit more and I think we're going to do that. Um, but yeah, so to answer the question, I think, will the world meet great climate uh, success? No. I don't think so. No. Will certain countries meet great climate success and do an amazing job in reducing their emissions? Yes. Oh, so you don't think Canada will? No, I think Canada will be one of the ones that does. I think the U.S. will be one of the ones that does. But I think that you have a lot of developing countries, you know, right now. That's true, yeah that use like they're literally burning like wood or burning dung for fuel damn right okay so th- those are like the worst things you could possibly be doing for fuel um those are the most detrimental to the environment so i mean i think we'll see those countries maybe get weaned off of that slightly but for a developing country it's not about you know they don't care about climate change they care about being able to f- eat yeah you know they care about being able to have energy at all so for us we have the you know the luxury in a way of being able to you know start tackling these issues other countries don't so i think we will tackle those issues i think by what what year did you say 2050 uh i i just said 20 years okay so So, by 2040 i think you know every every vehicle on the road will probably be electric or the vast majority maybe 80 90 percent will be electric i think you know uh home energy storage solar i think that'll you know be advanced a lot. I think more people have solar panels or solar roofs um, and generate their own electricity. So yeah, I think we're moving in a good direction in Canada. I don't know about the world. I don't know if the world is going to be, you know, if we'll, if we'll be able to say great, wishful thinking possible. Great change. Like, there'll be change, but will it be like 
global, everybody, you know, really, really big decisive change that I think a lot of environmentalists want, I don't think so. I think in certain countries, yes, I think in other countries, no. So what do you think it will take to make people, you know, change... Or sorry, what do you what do you think it will take to make people take climate change seriously enough to the point where they're eliminating bad habits like wasting water, using regular light bulbs, leaving our fully charged phones and computers still plugged into the wall, or even make greater changes like switching, like you did, to a more fuel efficient uh, vehicle or like a complete electric car? Yeah, I think the key is again is like people don't like to change. Okay, like truthfully, people are just gonna do what's most convenient for them. That's just how we are in the West and mm-hmm. you know Europe and. North America, um, they don't like change. They're going to do what's most convenient. So the way that you can get people to use greener products and make greener decisions and make and just generally make decisions that will benefit the environment is to make it the best option for them, right? So I don't necessarily think you need to punish people. And when I say punish people, I mean, you know, charge them a tax for everything, mm-hmm. but I think what you need to do is just make it so that that is the greatest option that people have, right? So buying an electric car should be what people want to do. It should be the no-brainer move. And the way we do that is by, you know, continuing to talk about the importance of the environment and, you know, stressing that. Because truthfully, you know, I don't think people hate the environment. I don't think people do things to spite the environment or because they don't care. I think it's just not at the top of the list for everybody, right? Yeah, in terms of priorities and stuff. Yeah, I mean, right, even here in, in the West where we're, like, richer and, you know, we have more money and more wealth and everything like that, people still, it's just not the biggest priority because until it directly affects us, people, they're just not going to change. So, like, again, the way you have to do things is just make it the best option. Make it so that an electric car is the best option. Make it so that having solar on your home is... So, yeah, kind of just capping off the... The climate change. Yeah, I mean, like basically what I said, right? The, the whole thing for me is that I think we, I think the best way to advance climate change is to empower private companies. I think the demand for, you know, climate action is there. People want to, you know, make greener lifestyle choices and, you know, lower their carbon footprint and lower their emissions. So if, if the demand is there, which it is, the best way to let people do that Just is to give, you know, private companies um the ability to to create products because the government isn't great at doing things so if the government says you know tomorrow everything has to be 100 percent zero emissions whatever we're not ready for that we need the products and services to um, account for it so we just need to let the free market kind of work its way and and we're gonna get there and we and we're already seeing it right like i said Tesla is getting to the point where it's becoming mainstream. Electric vehicles are becoming mainstream because they made such a great product that's compelling and that people want to buy. And so the same thing is going to happen with solar. The same thing is going to happen with all these different you know products and services. And that's what's going to you know propel us into the next age. And then also I think that there is some level of adaptation that you know people are just going to have to um, live with. I mean, climate change can't be really stopped. And so. In some ways, humans are going to have to adapt. We've adapted all throughout history. Human beings have adapted, they've moved, and so the same thing is going to have to happen. Uh, is there going to be crisis, like crises that happen? Yes. Um, are people going to die? Like there will be people who die from like you know events that may not, may or may not have happened if climate 
the climate situation wasn't as bad or like air pollution. Um, so yeah, like, but everything in life is kind of like this, you know, you take some, you give some, um, nothing is like the perfect decision where everything's perfect. Right. So if all of a sudden tomorrow you said all this government intervention needs to happen to deal with the climate crisis, then there would be ill effects of that the same way that there's ill effects of kind of letting, um, letting it play out in the free market and, and letting those solutions come about. So I think it's a tough, it's a tough, tough problem to solve, but I think that there's, there's enough public pressure now that the free market private companies are going to come up with solutions for people that, uh, will, you know, drive us as a whole to be greener and to lower emissions and reduce our carbon footprint. So that's where my head's kind of at on climate change. I think it's a very interesting take. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm going to kind of give you some, not really rapid fire questions, but some quick random questions here. Uh, just cause we are running out of time a little bit. So real quick, growing up here in Canada, what made you want to become a Tampa Bay lightning fan? Cause I know you're obviously a big fan of them. Probably the biggest fan I've seen of the Tampa Bay lightning. Okay. So this is real quick story. So there's two things. First video game I played, first NHL video game I ever played was NHL 06 on the GameCube. And GameCube. Vinny LeCavalier was on the cover. He was the captain of the Lightning when they won the Cup in 04. Um, and so this was the first game after they won the Cup because there was a lockout season. So it was oh, yeah. NHL 04 and then NHL 06. So NHL 06, Vinny LeCavalier was on the cover holding up the Cup. At this point, what? I'm like four or five years old. So I don't yeah. really, you know... That's kind of one of my first introductions to hockey and playing that game. Every time you turn it on, you'd have a cavalier like coming down the ice on a break in the away, intro, mm-hmm. right? Doing some sick move. So that's one thing. And then my next door neighbor, <coughs> um, who was a bit older than me, maybe like six, seven years older than me, we would always play road hockey outside. And I kind of looked up to him, you know, like you know, like a big brother kind of figure. And so we would always play road hockey outside. He was a big Lightning fan. So I think the combination of the video game and then my next door neighbor, big brother figure kind of being that Lightning fan as well is what drove me to be a Lightning fan. And then when I went to Tampa for the first time to watch a game, um, myself, my mom, and my brother got chosen as the family of the game. Really? So we got That's to fucking go, awesome. Yeah, so we got to go under, like, uh, in the players' dressing room. We got to meet a bunch of players, sit on the bench during a warm-up. I remember Damn. I got in, like, a water bottle fight with, like, one of the players on the team. So that was... Those three things are kind of like what lined it up to yeah. be like, especially that experience. That would definitely oh, 100%. like that'll make you a fan for life, no yeah. doubt, right? So, and I was super lucky enough to be able to go and watch the Stanley Cup final, yeah, and be there to see them win the cup in, in Tampa um, against Montreal a few months ago. And so that was, yeah, like, oh, so you went, you went to Tampa again because yeah. I'm gonna ask you. Yeah. Uh, my next question, I was, I'm going to ask you about your experience flying there the first time oh, and being yeah. there on so, your own. Yeah, like going there the first time when I was, when I was so young, so I don't really remember. Um, like besides the fact that I got chosen as like the family of the night and all that. Yeah, but didn't you go in like high yeah. school? So I went yeah. in high school on my own. I flew down just to watch a couple playoff games. I went, I've gone three times now actually. I went once when they played the Devils was the first time. I want to say 2017 maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat them two games in the first round. I watched both those games. The next year, I went when they played Columbus. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people will remember how that went. They got swept in the first yeah. round. That was the year where they were like looking unstoppable. Um, and so I went for those two games. They lost both. It was super sad. And then the third time I went was just this past... When was it? May, April, May. 
I don't know, this past Stanley Cup final. Um, I got lucky enough to get a ticket to Game 5, which was the game where Tampa ended up winning the Cup. Um, so, yeah, I went down there, um, met up with uh, some, some friends, actually, that I know down there, went to the game with them. Being in an arena where your team wins the Stanley Cup on home ice is like... Confetti everywhere, people freaking like, out. Just It's like goosebumps, right? Like, yeah. you watch this team. They won the Cup in 2004. At that point, I wasn't really watching hockey like I didn't see them lift the cup then but you know I've watched this team since I was like six seven years old and through a lot of different phases where they sucked and I remember like be watching a game and it would be like Leafs versus Tampa and it would be like the basement battle that's what mm-hmm. TSM would call it because you know they were both the worst teams in the NHL so the to come basement battle. you know so to come from that to now finally like getting to see them win a cup and they won the cup last year too yeah but being there in person and like seeing Stamkos, it's a different feeling. And skater yeah. on the ice with it is just like it's just special. Like you can't even, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. hard to it's hard to explain. Like, and you answer my next question because I was literally going to ask you, like, what did you do when you won the Stanley Cup? Yeah, or no, when they was, won the Stanley Cup? It was Cup? just awesome. Like, like I said, getting to see them, like all the players go around the ice with it, see them take the picture, and also, COVID sucks. Okay, and being mm-hmm. in an environment where like everybody's locked down and everything for so long, it's just super. As someone who likes to like go out and be in, be social, and, be social, yeah. like it is so depressing. COVID, mm-hmm. lockdown, this that. So being to, being able to go to Florida and be in a stadium or an arena with you know twenty two other thousand people cheering for the same team, you know, there's not a lot in life where everybody's on the same page and everybody is kind of you know in it for the same goal mm-hmm. and so to have an, a spaces like a movie mm-hmm. or to have space like a, a hockey game or a sporting event where everybody's there for the same purpose is is something really special and i think that we lost that over covid so it's really yeah. nice to be able to go to those events again and yeah i mean there's literally nothing better again than being in a stadium where it's a home game so like everybody there is you just get goosebumps mm-hmm. right like i've watched dan coast play hockey since i was uh, since I was a kid and you know getting to see him raise the cup and all these guys raise the cup is just like mm-hmm. you just can't help but uh, but that, smile hopefully the Leafs have the same thing because I know lots of Leafs fans out here and I like the Leafs too I'll be honest hey everyone I do want to apologize for cutting the episode a little bit short uh, the camera actually died while we were filming towards the end and uh, and then Noah just also had to be somewhere which is totally fine uh, I had a great conversation with him, and I'm sure I'll have him on at some point or another in the pretty near future. Um, and yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope you guys did as well. And I will see you on episode 14.